There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hello, Mr. Hello, Wilmer. We're going full hello now, not just <laughs> hi. As you can see, we're changing things up on the show. Just shows you how much we've grown through this experience, Mr. Oof, I mean, I feel just about ready to retire, if I'm being honest. How about you? <laughs> never, never, never retiring, never quitting. <laughs> What are we up this week? So any listener who's been with us since the beginning knows that our goal has always been to broaden our horizons, specifically about who we view as an essential worker. As such, it shouldn't be a surprise that there were way more incredible stories than we could fit into all of our episodes. Exactly. And since we are getting close to the end of this stretch of the journey, we wanted to take a moment to shine the spotlight on three of our remaining essential voices. First up, we're going to hear from essential worker Walter Marino. He's a soccer coach with the Ole Soccer Club who didn't pause his role as coach even when his players couldn't hit the field in person. He'll talk to us about how his soccer club rallied and why he thinks soccer is an essential part of the community. Hi, uh, my name is Walter Merino from Ole Soccer Club based out of the San Fernando Valley. I'm the director of the club and also a coach and a person that really tries to give back to our local community. Pleasure talking to you, man. You know, I actually, when I first came to the United States, I, you know, I didn't have any friends, right? Because I didn't know how to speak English, you know? So the first thing I did was, you know, I signed up to, you know, to the San Fernando Soccer League, you know? And I played oh. with Salvadorians, Guatemaltecos, Mexicanos, uh, uh, from everywhere, you know? And um, the thing that was really crazy is that my dad was the coach of our team. And, man, that sucked. <laughs> Your dad is a coach, man. That sucked. No, you don't You're want the that. example, you bro. Like, they... they <laughs> 
they said, you know, you're, you make one mistake. He sits you down. Everybody else makes three mistakes. They get another try, you know, and you go, you, I go, dad, why are you sitting me down? He made three mistakes. I only made one on the field. And he said, um, he said, well, you're the son of the coach. <laughs> you gotta sit down. You're you gotta be perfect. <laughs> yeah. It sucked, man. But uh, Hey, how, how you get it? How you get into this, man? That's a good question. So I've played as long as I remember, you know, uh, from watching my dad step on the field to being on the field, to having my my uncles play, my family just every weekend. We knew we were going to be on the field. So just being around it, being immersed in that environment, you just start to pick it up. You grow the passion and the love because mm-hmm. as you see them on the field and get that, that's what you want to do. So I played club. I grew up playing in the San Fernando Valley, really. And then I transitioned to playing high school, playing college. And after college, roughly, I said, you know, I think my, my days of going pro, I think uh, – might have been stopped. You know, I wasn't as good as I thought maybe. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and I want to go back to my high school. I went to Kennedy High School in Granada Hills. I'm going to go and say, you know what? How can I How can I help? I want to be a coach and just try this out to see if I can help these new kids coming up to offer them something. Then you give kids from your own, your own community there an opportunity to play yeah. and potentially get exposed to open more doors to potentially do what I did. You know, give, get an education go to a better school, potentially use your talent to get a potential degree. You know, you just, you just don't know. So it's able to open doors. So that's how I kind of stumbled into coaching. I didn't think I was going to be a coach. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds amazing. I mean, I think it brings me back to a lot of those days, you know, when, when, you know, that was, that was where we found community when I first came to the United States. Um, you know, you don't know to what to expect and, um, yeah. and finding each other in that community was, mm-hmm. was very empowering for me. You know, it, and the yeah. thing that we had in common was soccer, you know, exactly. and is that the one thing that you love so much about this thing, man, is how, how it can bring all of us together in the one common goal. Like when you're on the field, you're, you're wearing the same jersey, you know? Exactly. And you see that and it's called the beautiful game for a reason, right? It unites people. It brings people together. It teaches you about not only soccer, but it teaches you about life, struggles, how to deal with adversity. You know, how to have people around you, how to work as a team. And then for kids, especially parents want to involve their kids so much in sports because of what it teaches other than just winning and losing. And a trophy is great and all, but the person you become to actually earn that trophy, right, the, the, the how you evolve, you know, how you learn about hard work, discipline, having a good attitude, you know, not only following directions, but, you know, working, working to strive for something right? The person you become to be able to earn that and finding your tribe. I think, you know, human beings are, are be, they're very tribal, right? So we try to find yeah. who kind of connects with us. And then with soccer, especially it, it brings people together, regardless of your race, regardless of your ethnicity, your religion, et cetera. Like people revolve around this because it's, yeah. it's so beautiful to see that, you know? I mean, yeah, but to, exactly. your, to your point, do you feel like that's, I'm sure this is, that's one aspect that you love about, about what you do, you know, seeing the community come together and seeing these kids blossom there. And I think the form of mm-hmm. expression, you know, is there, is that the thing that you kind of feel like <clears throat> you see the most? And, and as you enter it, a world that introduces you to uh, a life changing situation, like a pandemic, how, how therapeutic yeah. and how, you know, I, I look at, I look at the psychology part of it. You know, I look at like mm-hmm. what, yeah. what that sport gives the community and what it gives the yeah. family and then what it exactly. provides for the, for the young, you know, person who's yeah. playing it, you know? So how, how did that play out? Cause I'm assuming there's tons of stories and how these kids just really need to be on that field with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, 
getting creative on how to still connect with people in a safe way when we had to shut down for a few months where you don't know what's happening. You don't know if it's safe to be out there for you, for your family. How can we still connect with these kids that, that probably their happiest, one of the happiest times of the day is running out to that mm. field and being on the field and just express themselves and the parents as well. Like I need, you know, I need some time to myself too. like, let them go and do exercise and burn some energy and be around other kids, socialize. And I'm so proud of our, of our staff, our coaches that went above and beyond. Like wow. our coaches said, you know what? We understand where everybody's going through this, but the kids need this more now than ever to be able to mm. connect with them. They started doing zoom sessions where they were practicing ball skills. They were going over, exercise they're going over tactics they were going over videos of games of how we can play things like that where you still had them in, in, involved in the sport and what made me so proud is that the, the coaches were like we're not even gonna charge what we want to do is just help wow. like i don't want anybody to pay me like nothing they said out of their heart because they know the kids they needed it they said let's just do this let's help let's help we're a small club, but we focus on the quality that we're trying to give these kids, the time, the, the love we give them, you know, the passion that we show for them. So it just trickles down because you don't know who's going to come out of this, you know, in a, in a way where, you know, you can either mentally hurt them a lot by not being there. Like I thought my coach was there for me. I right. thought my teammates were there for me, but they're not showing up right now. Where are they when we need them the most? You know, yeah. where are they? They just... What are they doing? You know, just sitting at home doing nothing? No, that we, we couldn't be that club. We couldn't be those coaches that weren't there for them when they needed us the most. What, was there an instant? I mean, was there a moment for you that you thought, you know, wow, this is, as they say, essential, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm sure that you have to take a break for a second, right? I mean, the pandemic hits, yeah. and I, I wonder what yeah. these conversations were like for you guys. Yeah, for our staff, we were trying to get as creative as we could, you know, with what whatever resources we had. And then eventually we're just trying to say, hey, we're just another day closer to being back on the field. We're right, another right, week closer. Hope. We're and oh, exactly it's at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, exactly. Even though we didn't know when the back of mind, that's what the, the, the picture we had to paint for them so that we can all try to get by day by day. And it's a calling, you know, it's not not for everybody because not everybody wants to be a coach. You know, like, you know, you know, your dad dealing with your dad is like, you know, he did it. He probably did it because of you. Right. Um, yeah, and, and so also secretly he wanted me to be a, a pro soccer player. <laughs> he thought that at, at, uh, he thought that at 14, 15, I still had a shot. I'm like, no, my man, I think that boat sailed, you know? <laughs> and we talk a lot about um, leadership. We talk a lot about uh, community coaches being coaches. Yeah, but a coach, you know, especially when it comes to sports, isn't just, isn't just a coach. It's not about X's and O's. It's not about, you know, winning the game. It's what impact you really provide to these kids to these more than just a sport right what what are you trying to teach what type of human beings are you trying to really raise and that's where i saw the our our staff really step up and be like you guys are real leaders within your community helping these kids being there for them you know and it it takes everybody takes a village you know and that's what we try to we try to create our own village try to do it our way and you know super proud of 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 everybody coming together and, and just moving as one to, to understand the bigger picture of what we were facing together. That's amazing, man. And we, you know, I, I definitely, uh, I'm really intrigued to kind of come back. And once you guys start playing again on Saturdays, bring my, bring my cooler and my bag of oranges, bro. <laughs> Please. And that was beautiful. So I just want to say thank you, man, because, you know, it's oh, the people like you, you that sure. don't drift away too, too,
too far from how essential you are to those communities um, that really are paving the road for young men and women to grow up and be anything they want to be, knowing that organized, you know, teamwork and uh, getting up in the morning, even when you don't want to, but then you get out on the mm-hmm. field and you're happy you did. You know, there's, yeah. there's so many different ways oh, yeah. that, that the people can benefit, man. But thank you again for this conversation and, and I really appreciate you, man. Thank you, Wilmer. Thank you so much for having us on and sharing a little piece about our little community. We'll be right back after this break. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer, contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca, o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Essential Voices. Walter's story is so great because his role as a soccer coach is definitely not the first role you think of when you hear essential worker. But as he laid out for these families, soccer is essential for so many reasons beyond exercise or just having a bit of fun. We're all just one day closer to getting back on the field. I mean, what's really the perfect messaging for that period of uncertainty? And I can imagine, you know, he gave his players so much hope. It gave me hope just hearing it. Next, we'll hear from essential worker Terence Abram. Terence is an occupational therapist at a nursing facility in Los Angeles. We'll learn about how he got into occupational therapy and the additional challenges that came with taking care of patients during the pandemic. 
Hi, my name is Terrence Abram, currently in San Diego, California, and I'm an occupational therapy assistant for a skilled nursing facility. Great. Thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure to talk to you. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your passions and, you know, how you got into this and how long you've been doing it. I've been only been doing it for two years. Um, I actually got into it through one of my college professors. She actually taught a class on occupational therapy. She worked for special needs kids. She had her own clinic. So she gave me the opportunity to come like shadow her, come visit her when I could. Just She was really flexible with my schedule, so that helped out a lot. And I really loved what she did. It was just a church, and she just worked with a few kids, just gave them after-school program, just something to keep them occupied, something to continue to help them grow. And that kind of sparked my interest in uh, occupational therapy. Something about that, I'm sure, made you really passionate. Was there an instant that went, this is why I'm in this? A little bit different. So I started with kids there and I did. I love the kids. Their energy, they're always so funny, uh, energetic. It's always fun to play. I think for me, though, uh, currently I work in a skilled nursing facility and my grandma's actually been through uh, numerous back surgeries. So I can put her face on every patient or resident that I'm approaching and saying like, if she was in a facility, how would I want her to be treated? It was definitely something personal to me. And then I can continue to pay it forward to other people so they know that their loved ones are in good hands. What does it take to be Terrence, you know, on a daily basis? You get up, you know, you do the work, custom, all that stuff. And then once you get in the car and you're on your way to work, you know, what does your day look like? Uh, so I get there. We normally have a list of patients to see. Could be like 10 or so patients. Uh, we're given name you know, room number, the minutes I got to see them for. And then like, just like special things, you know, are they in a catheter? Um, are they on oxygen? Just little things to keep in mind uh, as you're going forward with the treatment. And from there, then I start actually seeing the patients. So it can be anything from, you know, starting with some upper body strengthening. Balance is a big thing for the elderly population. A lot of falls. So definitely their activity tolerance, making sure their endurance is up. You know, they used to go shopping and not have to take a break. But nowadays they do one thing and they're a little tired. So just constantly educating them about their current situation and keeping them safe, you know, to help them keep that independence for living their life, you know, making the most of it. When once the pandemic hit, like how do you operate uh, at a world, you know, where everyone has to now stay home and away from each other? And how do you do what you do from six feet apart? Uh, it's kind of a slow process. You know, you start hearing about it. People start having the conversations at work. It started trickling in. People started wearing face masks to work. And it's like, do we have to wear this? And then you have to start wearing gowns and PPE, you know, the whole visor and everything. During the pandemic, it, you weren't able to leave their room. So you had to be more creative, but still trying to accomplish any goal that they have. But, you know, limited space, limited resources. Isolation was a big thing for them, definitely. Uh, normally they would have their parents or kids come see them but now the most of the interaction was you i also wonder what toll did it take on some of your patients you know that specifically the loneliness and not being able to see your loved ones i mean there's so much you can read a letter or a text or facetime you know but then the human interaction was probably really vital was that a lot of pressure for you do you feel like or do you feel like you know what this is my calling now and this is what i'm here for I don't think I felt the pressure, but I think we did look at it on like this person hasn't seen their daughter who comes every Tuesday to take her to Chick-fil-A. 
this patient hasn't seen, you know, their grandkids who flew out here and they haven't seen in like eight years. So this is what we're called to do. You know, this is something we're passionate about, but, you know, just taking it up another level to be that joy, that happiness on top of, you know, giving them something to look at going forward. Like, Hey, you know, once it's over, it's going to get back to you being able to enjoy your friends and family. So, uh, you know, let's work hard while we're here. I know, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last either, but little things like taking them outside out in the room, like I said, FaceTiming when we could, uh, just little things to keep them engaged, keep them connected with their family, friends, because isolation definitely was real. While so much of the country was staying at home, how did it feel like to you to actually be able to be in person or have it to be in person, I guess? It was crazy to see, you know, uh, things like going to work. There was no traffic on the freeway. It was just you and a few others. It just looked deserted. My interactions outside of, you know, my home were limited. It was like, go home, go to work, maybe go to the store. But it was like, go later than everyone else or go before the crowds. Uh, didn't see my family, didn't see my friends either. You know, I think one of the things that helped save me is uh, Call of Duty. You know, playing video games with my friends <laughs> yes. was a a weekly check-in like, Hey, what's going on? You know, we could talk about sports, talking about happenings and then like get some, a little outlet. Cause you know, we can go to the gyms, can do stuff outside. So, uh, definitely it was hard. Um, like I said, just the isolation, just feeling like it was just you, but then knowing you had to, you know, put on that great face and go perform for other people because, you know, I know I'm having a hard time, but I know I can affect 10 other people and make them have at least a great day, you know? So I think their happiness, their joy, their betterment was better than me just, you know, sulking and saying, you know, why is me? Maybe I should do something else. Taking the opportunity because, you know, you don't practice this in school. You don't talk about, you know, what do you do in case of pandemic hits? It's just, this is why you joined your job. And this is definitely something that, you know, when you look back, how did you react? Was it something you're going to be happy about? Were you on the right side of history? Did you do it right? Did you do everything that you could? So definitely wanted to go forward saying I was happy with all of my results, all my actions and stuff. And that's something that just for me, I feel accomplished doing. You know, and we use the word essential nowadays like it's new. And I get frustrated because what you do for 300 years has been more than 300 years has been essential to people's well-being and lives in general, you know. But what does that feel like? How did you process these, you know, these these personal feelings? It was interesting. Definitely. You know, you had people complaining about wearing a mask, going to the store, going out. And it's like you should see what we have to put on for eight hours a day, maybe longer, depending on where you're at. It was the whole N95. It was the gown. It was, and at times it was, you know, it was a trash bag. So we're there sweating, you know, there's no air conditioning and sometimes, you know, so you're just in there drenched, you know, trying to do your best for this person. Um, you do get a little jealous at times. You just see people working from home, but you know, again, that's not what we signed up for. So definitely nursing and doctors, they get a lot of the love and affection, you know, but I think rehab plays an important portion of the whole recovery process as well. We're also working with the nurses to get them up. We're helping them walk. The doctors are asking us, do you think they can go home? You know, so I think we're an important component and I don't think the love was always there, you know, so 
seeing that, oh, you know, rehab is something that's essential. Maybe that'll be put on the map. You know, like I'm saying, like more people will think about moving forward outside of just being a nurse or a doctor. You can be a physical therapist, a speech therapist, occupational therapist, a respiratory therapist. They were in the fight as well. They were helping the COVID positive patients as well. So hopefully at the end of this, people realize that there's more than just nurses and doctors. When you think about people that might hear your story and say, hey, um, you know, I kind of want to be like him, man. I want to I want to do what he does. Like what words of encouragement do you have for those future essential workers, those people that want to be of service and they want to show up? And then what can we do as a community to support you and help you and just be there for you? The biggest thing for therapy, definitely, um, like I said, just getting the acknowledgement. But I think the biggest thing for us is actually the patients recognizing you're passionate about this. You're looking out for me. Uh, you have the best interest on me. So anytime that the patient personally tells you thank you, because I've worked with other therapists and none of them were like you, your heart does a little happy dance. I'm like, okay, you know, I was doing it right. It was some hard times in there, but this person's walking and they're able to go home and see their kids now. I think that's what we're looking forward to. That's something that we continue to work toward and fight. Um, how people can help. I think we saw what it was like to not be able to see your loved ones. So now that you're able, go visit them, go call them, bring them some pictures, you know, just have lunch with them, anything like that. I think that's definitely something that's needed and it will help a lot. That's amazing. Thank you so much, man. And uh, I definitely think you're going to inspire so many people to know that there's a very rewarding you know, journey uh, in your profession and that uh, and that's something that you should be proud of and, and that you can share with your future children as well. Any last messages or anything that you'd like to add? I uh, just want to say thank you for having me. Shout out to my team at Countryman and La Mesa. You guys are amazing from all the rehab team to the nurses and the doctors that help with us. Thank you for being there and we'll continue to make this work and look forward to better days. We'll be right back after this break. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Essential Voices. Terrence has such a positive outlook on what he does. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't always easy to muster that high energy, but so much love and enthusiasm made a real difference for his patients at the worst possible time. Absolutely. I also was moved by what he said about imagining his grandmother's face on each of his patients. A strong reminder of just how important a rehab team is to the recovery process and taking care of our loved ones. Finally, we're going to hear from essential worker, Dr. Sara Velasco, who has been a family doctor for 40 years. She walks us through what it was like being there for her patients during this time and what she considers the most important parts of her job. Uh, well, Sara, thank you so much. So beautiful to have you here with us. Excited about this conversation um, that you and I will have. I understand you are bilingual. You speak English and Espanol. So for everyone who's listening, can you tell us a little bit of who you are and, uh, you know, what's important to you? Yeah, I am a family doctor. I've been doing family medicine for almost 40 years. A matter of fact, next year will be my 40th year anniversary. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you of graduating from medical school. Uh, I'm a mom, so you know, mama uh, of three children. I am an immigrant. I was born in Mexico and I came to the States when I was seven. I, I am a teacher. Beautiful. And what kind of teacher are you? Well, I actually in the past have taught in training programs for family doctors and also for nurse practitioners. Beautiful. So you're kind of preparing future heroes, per se. That is my goal to continue. And really, to we need to keep developing our future doctors, particularly Latino doctors and doctors who are sensitive to the Latino community. How did you get into it? And how long you, you said you've been doing it for almost 40 years now? Yeah. Well, it was uh, when I was nine years old, literally. I used to interpret for my mom when she went to the doctor. And our family doctor was a lovely man, a black man. Uh, we lived in subsidized housing and I would go interpret. And he was so kind and so loving, even though he only spoke words of Spanish, that I said one day, I'm going to grow up and be like Dr. Moreland, who is my hero. Is there something unexpected that you love about your work? And you, can you describe what you love about it? You know, the relationship you have with, with your work and the things that we don't see. Um, because I feel like most of us, when we go to the doctor, we judge the doctor's experience by that, you know, 15 to 20 to 30 to maybe an hour consultation that we have there or further, right? You know, if, if treatment is necessary or anything like that. Or, um, but I wonder what was your perspective on that? Well, what I really love is the visit. You know, I tell people... 
I have spent a lot of extra hours doing paperwork at the end of my day because I cannot shorten that visit. I, I want to feel like that visit, that interaction is so valuable to me. And, and I really feel, see myself, I've always seen myself as a kind of a, a holistic healer, if you want to think of it. So to me, medicine isn't just about, uh, it's easy to give someone a pill. It's really hard to listen with your heart to see that person has a body, mind, and spirit. That is how I see the patients. And sometimes, you know, the the visit is really just about being present for people. That can be the most healing aspect of the visit. And then I love the science behind it. You know, there is pathophysiology about how the body works. Um, and sometimes I really like working with more complicated cases because it's like a puzzle. But you have to start by listening to the patient's story. If you don't hear a good story, their story, then you're sometimes you can miss a diagnosis. When you find out of, about the pandemic, what conversations were you having with your friends and family and coworkers? We had a little inkling sort of early on. You know, we were all listening to the case, the, the doctor from China who got first sick and then early uh, cases in Seattle. Uh, so there were my coworkers who, particularly our medical assistants, who were afraid to come into the office. So just, uh, I think, um, a lot of trying to understand what the next steps were. Is that when you feel like your work and your life was going to change significantly at that point? It's now a, a, a physical trajectory of how you get to that point. Do you feel like that's the first impression to like, wow, life is going to be different? Well, it really, the first impression was uh, the Sunday right before the stay at home order. I was watching um, 60 Minutes and I got a call on Sunday night from my supervisor at work to let me know that we were going to start stay at home. And I mean, I've never had a call on Sunday nights from a supervisor in all my years. And basically I was given the option of staying home, of working from home because I was close to, you know, retirement age. And just to kind of tell us this is coming, you know, so that was the real beginning of, oh, my goodness, what life is going to change dramatically. And then I said, you know, I wanted to go into the office. I felt like I was healthy generally because people still need their medications. They still need they have questions. So they still needed care, even if we were going to be open. So right away, there were times when I work from home and actually this is my home office slash bedroom where I was working and making phone calls when I would work from home all day because it's the quietest place in the house. This is where I would sit and uh, call patients or try to do a video call. But the stay at home order was the kind of reality check for us because it changed the way we treated patients. Has been considered essential made you feel differently about yourself? I'm, I'm, I think the answer is probably no, you know, but to lead to the personal growth or change, you know, if so, what, in what ways do you, would you describe that? Um, does that bring anything to you, that question? No, I, I mean, it, it highlighted the importance of, of still being able to connect with the patients, how much they need us no matter what. And in a sense, I guess the only thing is that during fearful times, they need us even more because even again, we were talking about just the reassurance of a word, right? Is, you know, no matter what, we're going to walk this path with you. And if you are getting worse, we want to hear from you. If you are getting worse, you need to go to the hospital. So I think really highlighting that we had to be there for the community was the most important thing because open or close, 
the information is still needed for people to take care of their health. Um, you know, I think the heroes to me are the doctors and nurses in the hospitals who uh, really were, you know, they were confronting the virus right in their face yeah, every day. Is there any way that a community can support the work that you that you are doing? You know, how can we really be more aware? How can we be part of, you know, of the solution? I think the most important thing is to try to listen to the science. I, I cannot tell you, Wilmer, how many stories people would tell me, let's say, about receiving the vaccine. Science has saved our lives again and again. I mean, the reason polio, we were able to eliminate polio was because of vaccine. So I think right now the the way to, you know, that I would say to support my work and the work of the health providers is continuing to get vaccinated. Most recently, the highest death rates were in people or hospitalizations, hospitalizations, let me clarify, was from people that were 30 to 49 who have not received the vaccine. So, um, you know, I would say, please get vaccinated. The risks are very low. We know it is, it has great impact on the future and what will happen. What message do you want to have for the future essential workers? You know, the, the future of the future status of the world. You know, what, what, you know what, what message do you have for them? First of all, I'd say thank you. Realize your value. You know, that without your work, whether you're working, cleaning someone's bed or whatever you're doing, society would just come to this complete standstill. So gracias, gracias y, y desen gracias. Two is protect yourself, you know, demand your rights. So so we, I had patients that were working without proper masking or distancing. They do have rights and, and just to demand the right to be in an environment that is safer. Um, I think three is that as a society, we need to continue to, to also demand that if people are essential, you know, por favor, sigan votando, you know, continue to vote, continue to do things that, move us forward and and protect other future workers so so and again thank you for the work that's the most important thing Sarah Velasco thank you so much what a what a privilege just to talk to you and I appreciate your words today thank you for doing this uh, I think it's a, a great tribute I appreciate it I love that moment where she says we're going to walk this path with you It embodies that reassurance she provides for her patients and what we've all been looking for the past couple of years. And we here at Essential Voices have been honored to walk this path with you all. It is such a beautiful note to end the week on and help us look forward to our finale. So are you ready to share the surprise, Wilmer? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's do it, Amar. For our final episode of Essential Voices, We are going to turn the mic around and hear from our crew. You know, a show like this doesn't happen with just one or two people. It takes a village, and I have to say I'm pretty fond of ours. Oh, yeah, I am too. So we'll talk about what we've learned this season on Essential Voices and the lessons that we'll take moving forward. And I cannot wait. Essential Voices with Wilmer Valderrama is produced by me, M.R. Raquel, Allison Shano, and Kevin Rutkowski with production support from associate producer Lillian Holman, executive producers Wilmer Valderrama, Adam Reynolds, Leo Clem, and Aaron Hilliard. This episode was edited by M.R. Raquel, Sean Tracy, and Justin Cho, and features original music by Will Rosati. 
Special thanks to this week's Essential Voices, Walter Marino, Terrence Abram, and Sara Velasco. Additional thanks to Linda Moreno. This is a Clamor and WV Entertainment production in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca, o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar 20 en español.com. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.